Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in this episode, we're going to venture over to Barrie County and learn about some of the history of the area. And I have a special guest, Rod Cruz, from the Bernard Historical Museum over in Delton, Michigan. Did you know that Delton was originally known as Dell's Town after a man named Del Monroe? who opened the first store in the area in 1868. We're going to explore that story and many other stories today. So you're going to want to stick around for this one. Welcome to the show, Rod. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today. Well, I appreciate you inviting me to be on board. Always like to talk about the museum. You know, how did you become involved with the Bernard Historical Museum in Delton? Well, it was uh, kind of a... um, I didn't come to history naturally. I, my college degree was in uh, wildlife biology, and I had spent mm-hmm. years out west and had uh, um, become interested in some of the ancient Indian cultures and developed a, an mm-hmm. interest in history, I think, that way. I became, uh, I moved back to Michigan, and um, uh, like yourself, I had been selling real estate for a few years and had the opportunity to sell a historic home in Delton that was owned Mm. by Frank B. Lay. And I did some historical research on there, which kind of sent me down that rabbit hole of uh, local history. And I had a friend who was the president of the Bernard Museum. And when she found out that I uh, had a, a little bit of interest in history, she needed somebody with more of a business background to come on board and help kind of get the museum back on track with, uh, you know, finances and planning and stuff like that. So they asked me to come on board, mm-hmm. uh, which I did about, oh, maybe eight years ago. And uh, for the last seven years, I've uh, been the president of the board. We have a, a nine-person board of directors. Well, great. So what is the history of the Bernard Historical Museum, and why is it called what it is called? Well, it was uh, started in 1962, and the reason it's called the Bernard uh, Museum is that uh, Dr. Prosper Bernard uh, was an early medical uh, pioneer in uh, Mm -hmm. this part of Michigan. Uh, He had, uh, uh, Dr. Bernard was uh, born in Minnesota, but he got his medical training in Indiana and did some uh, internship at Butterworth Hospital in Grand Rapids and ended up coming to Dalton in about 1928 uh, to be a doctor. And uh, in 1932, he went to um, Ann Arbor and and became uh, certified as a radiologist and came back. And Mm -hmm. in the early 30s, he built a house and he built a hospital on the shores of uh, Crooked Lake in Dalton. And uh, the hospital... Uh, was a going thing for a number of years, uh, and uh, he left um, to go fight in World War II. Well, not to fight, but he was a doctor in World War II uh, in okay. Europe. And and uh, when he came back, he uh, was very busy with the uh, radiology, but he was a man of a lot of different interests and had always mm-hmm. had an interest himself in history and had formed a kind of a loose-knit group of uh, Delton citizens that were interested in preserving some of the local history. And so 
in the 19 around 1961 they started meeting regularly and they decided they wanted to have uh, a historical society uh, dr bernard had retired in uh, about 1956 or 57 and so the hmm. hospital was sitting vacant so he said well i have this building let's just uh, turn it into a museum and so that's what they did wow. in 1962 they the museum. So we just celebrated our uh, 60th anniversary this summer. Wow. So the museum is set in a, in a hospital that he built. It's still, it's on the shores of Crooked Lake? Correct. So the, wow. uh, it, the museum has grown. Uh, the community really, uh -huh. uh, he was very respected in the community. And when he formed this uh, historical society, he didn't want it named after himself, but they kind of outvoted him and named it after him anyway. And, uh, the a variety of buildings uh, were brought or built on site uh, not just the hospital so the hospital was added onto it was doubled in size in okay. around 1970 um, and it's two stories and it's actually connected to his house via a tunnel underground that that his wife used to help uh, provide food to the patients. He didn't want her walking outdoors from the house to the okay. muse, to the hospital with the food. So he put a tunnel in for her to uh, go through. And we still have that tunnel. Wow. It's, it's a highlight, especially for, for young kids that come to visit the museum. But the museum has really, has really uh, grown. We have uh, now nine buildings on site. Eight are open to the public. Uh, we have a general store. Uh, we have a blacksmith shop. Uh, a one-room schoolhouse was moved in 1963 from Pine Lake uh -huh. to uh, our site. Um, we have what we call a seamstress cottage, which was another 1800s era a building that was moved to the site. We also okay. have a building that is full of farm implements. Um, so we have you oh, know, wow. quite, a, quite a lot. We have... Um, at the time that the museum was formed, there were 32 lots on Crooked Lake, uh, uh -huh. not all of them facing Crooked Lake, but, you know, in the development. So we have, you know, several acres of land there that we, that we have. Wow. Well, that's a very special museum then. I mean, that's, well, uh, I've like never been there. I'm going to have to make a tour. Oh, absolutely. We like to think of it as sort of, um, you know, certainly Barry County's, but Southwest Michigan's best kept secret with museums. We have, uh -huh. uh, I, we estimate, we don't have them all counted, but we're, we estimate we have between 50 and 70,000 artifacts. Uh, the philosophy of the museum when they started was that anything that was donated would be put out on display. So they didn't right. plan for storage. So the buildings filled with all of the various different artifacts um, uh -huh. that were donated and the community was quite generous. And so uh, one of the first things I did when I came on board is I built a storage building so that we have a place to, uh, you know, when we yeah. rework a display, put some things in storage. Most museums only show about 15 to 20% of their holdings and put the rest in storage. Right. Uh, we are the complete opposite of that. Wow, that's, uh, yeah, that's, you have a lot more space than we have at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. I serve on the board there. and that's, Yes, uh, we, we, we have know. more space. I am familiar with that museum. Um, and uh, we, we, I don't know that we, ha I think we have more artifacts, but we don't probably have uh, right. as many that are specific to a certain thing. We have 
uh, yeah. all over the place. We have everything from um, uh, a canoe that was pulled out of a dugout canoe that was pulled out of Wall Lake in 1970 that we're, we estimate was at least 300 years old, uh, variety wow. of arrowheads and so forth. And then we have, of course, all, uh, everything from farming in- implements to uh, Dr. Bernard's early pioneer radiography equipment. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a wide range of things, uh, something for just about anybody to be interested in. And all of those things, items are on display, the uh, Mm -hmm. canoe and everything. Wow, that's great. So as I mentioned at the beginning in the intro, Del Monroe, when I introduced the show, he was the um, first person to establish a place at what we know now as Delton, right? First store. He he opened the first store before it was actually a town. He had... uh, the first or certainly one of the first uh, merchants that set up shop in the area. We don't know an awful lot about his name was Delbert uh, Monroe. We know that uh, uh, it was before the town was uh, incorporated. He was, uh, the town was referred to as Dell's town. um, Okay. Because of his store. Uh, And then we know that in uh, 1877, uh, Somebody in the community uh, felt that they needed to register the town with the state of Michigan and send in the paperwork to call it um, Dellstown. But somebody uh-huh. at the state level said, well, we think Delton sounds better. And that's what they, that's how it came to be called Delton. <laughs> oh, so it really wasn't a local decision then. It, it was, was not a local decision at all. So somebody, oh, uh, wow. you know, somebody with some authority at the state level, I guess, did that. Well, interesting. Well, so we don't know a lot about him. I mean, we do know that he did file for a patent uh, back in okay. those times for a certain sort of um, hook that uh, was meant to uh, attach to a team of horses, some, something uh-huh. special with how the hook moved and everything. And as he was granted a patent from the U.S. Patent Office for it. But we really don't know a whole lot about him. Oh, I see. Are any of his original buildings still standing or... No, uh, no, those, okay. uh, those weren't. It was on uh, what's what's uh, known as Grove Street, which is M forty three through uh, through Dalton. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did s- sit on the west side uh, over there, uh, but no, it, none of those original buildings, the original post office. We do have pictures of the original mm-hmm. post office, but uh, we don't. The building's no longer in, around. Okay, so anyone who ventures into the Yankee Springs recreation area or travels around Barry County is going to see the name Chief Noonday. Could we talk a little bit about his history? I'm sure. sure you have some uh, at the museum. I'll tell you a little bit about what I know uh, in, uh-huh. in terms okay. of Chief Noonday. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was born around 1757 or something like that. And okay. he was an Ottawa Indian. I don't know how familiar your listeners might be with the various tribes of Michigan, but the three predominant mm-hmm. ones were the Ottawa, the Ojibwe, and the Potawatomi. And uh, he was an Ottawa Indian, and their tribe lived in where, where Grand Rapids is now. They were called the, the Grand uh, River branch mm-hmm. of the Ottawa Indians. And he was a well-respected uh, chief. He fought in the uh, what they called the Northwest Indian Wars, which uh, was uh, the Indians fighting against the new colonists that had come into 
America, and they were trying to expand into the Midwest. And uh, he uh, was part of uh, a resistance to that presence. And then later on, during the War of 1812, he fought again against the Americans uh, with uh, Tecumseh, who was probably more well-known uh, Indian. He fought uh-huh. alongside Tecumseh with the British against um, the Americans. And when Tecumseh was killed, uh, Chief Noonday was by his side and inherited his tomahawk and headdress. And he came oh, back wow. to came back to Grand Rapids. And uh, this was, of course, before the town was there. And he um, um, uh, there was probably about 150 families or so that lived in the community, Indian families that lived in the community. And uh-huh. uh, he took up... Um, he, he was given some authority to organize those tribes uh, with the understanding that they would have to have a, a mission uh, in their community, and which was pretty standard back then. And he connected up with an interesting uh, character named Leonard Slater, who was uh, had set up a mission in Grand Rapids, and they, they, okay. they uh, kind of set up a second one there for the Indians. Uh, Reverend Slater was the first postmaster of Grand Rapids. He was uh, um, actually, I think, filled that title. I think Andrew Jackson appointed him or some, at, at some point. And okay. uh, Reverend Slater and uh, Chief Noonday got along quite well. Reverend Slater was born in, I think, 1802. And uh, when he had a... a, a he and uh, Chief Noonday had a big problem with the Indians and how the whites were treating them at, at that time, especially in providing uh, a lot of alcohol or firewater, as they called it, uh, to the Indians in order to get them to the point where they would uh, agree to just about anything and cede their lands or whatever to to uh, the colonists that were moving in. And so... Hmm. Uh, Reverend Slater had enough of it, and he moved his mission out of the Grand Rapids area to uh, near where Prairieville is, between sort of between Richland and uh, Plainwell, and okay. had set up a mission. And Chief Noonday followed him down, and that mission was an operation for a number of years in that area. And when uh, Chief Noonday died, well, his wife died first and was buried on the grounds uh, of the mission. And when he died okay. a few years later, uh, he was buried there as well alongside her. Um, we we used to have a historic marker there. It's on the corner of Cressy and Lockshore Roads. And uh-huh. we, uh, we haven't kept up that marker, but uh, there's been some interest lately in uh, approaching the landowner and, and, and having that uh, historic marker a little bit more noticeable from the road. Okay. So is he buried in a cemetery that's on that corner? Nope, or nope, is it, it's uh, just, no. just a, a spot. It's not no. an actual cemetery. Now, the Reverend Slater is, uh, um, you know, was better uh, known, I think, in the greater area, uh, uh-huh. having lived there for a number of years and also had a number of businesses he was associated with. He's actually is buried in Kalamazoo, uh, at one of the cemeteries in Kalamazoo. Hmm. Wow. But there is a statue uh, of Chief Noonday in downtown Grand Rapids because uh, approximate approximate uh, site of where you know the village was that he lived in on the shore of uh, okay. the Grand River. 
Okay. Yeah, it's a pretty well-known name when you're traveling up that way. I've seen oh, it yeah. quite yeah, a bit. It's, it's kind yeah. of a clever name. Uh, you know, the pe- people like it. Of course, his his uh, his name is one I'm not sure I could pronounce. Um, mm-hmm. It's Nwagashik or something like that. And I'm not okay. sure what it translates to, but it must be something similar to Noonday. So does the museum, does it cover just Delton history or is it more Barry County as a whole? Well, when they first started it up, um, they were focusing on about four townships. Uh, so okay. uh, Barry Township, which incorporates Delton, uh, Prairieville Township, Hope Township, and uh, Yankee Springs Township. And so okay. most of the artifacts that we have came from people living in those communities. Some of the artifacts we have go beyond uh, the reach of those those areas. And, of course, we have worked closely over the years with um, the Hastings Historical Society and so forth. So uh-huh. we kind of c- cover more of uh, Barry County than what they initially uh, were restricting themselves to. Uh, okay. Dr. Bernard was also... Um, uh, after he retired, he was the first director of the Gilmore Car Museum when that museum was formed. And oh, so wow. we have a, a, a loose connection with the Gilmore Car Museum because of that. Oh, interesting. So are there any other interesting stories about the Barry County area settlement years? Well, um, you know, the Reverend uh, Slater's mission there was certainly one of the early uh, uh, historical locations there. Uh, the Gull uh-huh. Prairie, which is sort of where Richland is, was an, an early place where people came and set up and so forth and expanded over and towards towards the Delton area and into Berry County. At that time, of course, there wasn't a separate Berry County or Kalamazoo County. They were they were connected. Uh, and okay. Berry County hadn't been separated. Uh, his he was, uh, as I said, very uh, interested in, in providing missionary work for the Indians. Uh, and he was fluent in the Ojibwe language, which most of them spoke. And he, um, uh, under his direction, uh, some people who were associated with the mission there translated the Bible and they had it into Ojibwe and they had it published by a publishing company and circulated wow. among the, the natives, and we are fortunate at the museum to have one of these Bibles that is completely written in the Ojibwe language, which is kind of a fascinating thing to look at. That is tremendously fascinating. Wow, yes. I had never heard of that before. Yeah, it was uh, actually, uh, it had been owned, the, the volume that we have was owned by one of Reverend Slater's three daughters, and that wow. found its way to us at, at one point. Well, you don't hear much about the written Ojibwe language from that period. Like, no. that wasn't... No, so you don't. It, it makes sense that the Bible would be something a missionary might attempt to, you know, codify, you know, because you have to basically start with the alphabet and, you know, yeah. the basic grammatical text in order from a na- language that's not been traditionally a written language before. It was not a, so, was not a written language, exactly. And yeah, it was an oral tradition from, you know... We don't know how closely wow. it might um, uh, mimic current translations of uh, Ojibwe into English. Uh, you know how right. they how they used the uh, characters that we use, uh, but uh, it, it's fascinating uh, piece for us to have. The one of the early 
uh, earliest settlers that we know of uh, in the Dalton area was the Blackman family, family William Blackman, whose okay. farm uh, took over probably most of what's current uh, Delton right now, certainly where the school is located. And uh-huh. he was very into uh, horses and so forth and liked racing horses at that time. And his property was completely encircled with a racetrack uh, that he okay. for racing his horses. But the, the history of uh, the Delton area is tied very closely to um, uh, fishing and hunting as well as farming. The, okay. uh, the town boasts that, uh, you know, there's 80 lakes within a few miles of the town. Uh, certainly, I grew up uh-huh. there, and I, it, uh, everybody that I knew, you associated where they, uh, where they lived in connection with what lake they lived by or on or near. And uh, <laughs> That's the, interesting. Yeah. CKNS Railroad, which uh, started up in Kalamazoo in, I think, around the 1870s, uh, came through Delton. It was uh, called the CKNS. I don't know if you're familiar with that. The Chicago, Kalamazoo, and Saginaw. I've come across it. Yeah, yeah. I've come across the name of the railroad before. Yeah, and it uh, it never made it to Saginaw, and it never made it to Chicago. Um, but they had tracks that went through Delton all the way to the uh, extreme east side of uh, Barry County, and okay. passed through the Delton area. And it was um, a very, uh, a lot of the Delton industry owes its early days to the location of that railroad. Um, mm-hmm. There was a brickyard located in Delton, and that's how they got their bricks uh, to market. Um, there was, uh, of course, the, the fishing. Uh, people would come to Delton from Kalamazoo or from uh, Grand Rapids or Hastings. And... Mm-hmm. They would get out of town, and this is where they would come to fish. And so the CKNS, finding that so many of their passengers were people who wanted to get off and go fishing, they actually started up a uh, a run on Sundays that left at 7 o'clock in the morning, and they called it their fisherman uh, run. And families mm-hmm. would come into Kalamazoo, and they'd get on that train at 7 o'clock with the kids and their picnic baskets, and they would go, and the train would stop at uh, Wall Lake or Crooked Lake or any of these other lakes that it passed along the way and the people could get off and they Uh would have their picnics and the train would come back at 10 p.m. in the evening so they could all be back in town by by evening. And, you know, the the rumor was that uh, all you needed to catch catch the train was to be walking alongside the tracks with a fishing pole and it would stop and pick you up. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, there's a lot of that type of stories. I I read some of um, A History of Barry County, that book, and it was uh, available, I think, the Hastings Library website. And there was a similar type of story where a young boy got, uh, somebody gave him a little bit of money to go to the circus that was being, that was set up somewhere in the Prairieville area, I think it was, and, uh, you know, came coming from Hastings up there. So that was similar type of story that they they had somebody taking wagon loads of people up to see the uh, the circus at that time period which is really interesting you know yes well most of the lakes uh in the delton area at one time or most of them that had any were navigable in any fashion for fishing uh had um 
cottages that were available to rent, you know, in the early 1900s. And so, um, you know, I named Wall Lake and Crooked Lake, but a lot of the small lakes too, Wilkinson Lake and so forth, these were all Uh lakes that were fairly small, but they all had cabins that they rented out. And it was a very uh, important part of the, of the business in the community, along with farming, of course. Okay. So what other types of exhibits can visitors expect to see when they visit the Bernard Historical Museum? Well, um, starting in the, in the main museum, we have uh, some of the rooms uh, in that main museum, which was the old hospital and the addition that was put on. Uh, some of those have been turned into period rooms from the late 1800s, like period kitchen and, and uh, mm-hmm. parlor and uh, dining room sort of thing. Uh, we also have one room that was preserved that was Dr. Bernard's uh, radiology lab. So you can see his uh, x-ray equipment, which looks like a, almost like a Frankenstein's lab with the big tubes that they, they <laughs> used and so forth back then. Um, right. The hospital... Uh, um, Dr. Bernard helped birth up to 400 babies at the hospital while it was while it was a hospital, and wow. there's a nursery in the lower level that we've uh, restored. Uh, we actually a few years ago had a birthday party at the museum where we reached out to people, uh, anybody that had been born in the museum, and we had over 40 people that uh, showed, and we were able to get their baby pictures and their current pictures so that you could see them side by side. Wow, wouldn't that be a great display? We have a great display, like I said, of, um, uh, well, we have a lot of artifacts. The display needs to be reworked, uh, I I believe, but we have a lot of Indian artifacts. Um, Uh A lot of the Potawatomi Indians in particular, um, because of all the lakes, had settlements and some, some of them were seasonal settlements and so forth. And so all the farmers that farmed would churn up arrowheads and axe heads and so forth and pretty Uh much everybody you knew back in the day had an arrowhead collection and so we've got some of that uh dr bernard uh, was a man of a lot of different interest uh he was a silversmith a very accomplished silversmith Uh, we Uh have some of his uh uh, metalwork his wife was uh into pottery uh, and we have some of her stuff he had built her three different kilns on on the property that she Uh used for firing her pottery uh, he was also interested in geology. He was an amateur geologist, and he traveled all over the United States collecting rocks. And we have uh, just a lot of rocks that he collected. Uh, we invited um, the Kalamazoo area gem collectors out uh, a few years ago to take a look at it because most of his rocks are not on display for the public. And they were just uh, uh beside themselves with all of the rocks and minerals that we had, um, beautiful specimens. Um, we also have an area of, uh, in the main museum with um, uh, antique toys that are fascinating for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of telephones. Uh, people don't know, but uh, Barry County Telephone Company started in Delton and is still there. And uh, so we have old switchboards and old telephones going back to the 1800s uh, on display. We have, uh, of course, the one-room schoolhouse. And uh, just like we did with the birthday party for people born at the museum, we had a, a get-together a few years ago uh, for people who had... Um, 
gone to this one-room schoolhouse because it was in operation through 1950, so there were still people alive. And we had 40 or 50 uh, people and their families that came out for our uh, one-room schoolhouse celebration. The desks that are located in that schoolhouse, many of them came from other area one-room schoolhouses uh, throughout Uh the county. So there's a connection there. Um, we, we, uh, in the 1960s, they built a replica of an 18 early or late 1800s, early 1900s general store. And we have that on the grounds now, and it's filled with all the kinds of items you might see in a general store from that time period. Really? That's interesting. Wow. So you mentioned on your website, there's prehistoric artifacts, Do any of those relate to the mound builders that I see referenced across southwest Michigan? I know there were some mound builders in Kalamazoo area that didn't know much of the history of. They were, uh, um, that's a personal interest of mine with some of the uh, prehistoric Indian tribes, but the mound builders predated the Indians that uh, came into Michigan. The uh, most of the tribes that came into to Michigan came in about a thousand years ago, as far as we know, uh-huh. um, and the mound builders predate them uh, by uh, probably 500 years. And uh-huh. uh, a lot of the tribes that came in made use, maybe, of some of the mounds that were that were uh, in, located here. But you're right. Uh, Southwest Michigan, just like much of the Midwest, was right. uh, covered with uh, mounds. And unfortunately, when the colonists came in and when uh, things like golf took off, an awful right. lot of the mounds were turned into golf courses. Right, right. Yeah, I guess there's nice one roll. still in one of the parks, uh, the city park down in Kalamazoo. Is apparently yes, there the is, remains uh, of uh, the mound there at uh, Bronson Park. There is think, one but. there. Uh, Michigan hasn't done as good a job as uh, you know Ohio or some of the other states in preserving right. some of the mounds that they've had. So I, I don't really know where where they all were, but they were all over this part of the state. Yeah, very interesting. So how can people find out about the Bernard Historical Museum if they want to plan a visit? Well, they can go to our our website, uh, which is uh, bernardmuseum.org, and we we keep it uh, updated with, uh, uh, you know, current events and so forth. The museum's only open in the summertime. Like most museums and most nonprofits, Uh we have a hard hard time finding volunteers and so forth. So we uh, try to make sure it's open during the summer months. And uh, it's usually open Saturday afternoons uh, from in the summer from uh, 1 to 5. And then sometimes if we have the manpower, we'll open for a second day during the week as well. Uh, okay. And we'll have some sort of uh, get-togethers throughout the summer there. Parties that are larger that have an interest, uh, we'd like to have them at least maybe be six people or more. If they have an interest in coming to the museum and they can't make it during the times that we are normally open, they can feel Uh free to contact us uh, either through the website. We have a a way there for them to contact us. Um, They can uh, can call us. The phone number is uh, 269-623-3565. Of course, that's on the website as well. And they can leave Uh a message and and somebody will get back to them if we can connect them up with uh, a volunteer that has the time available. We'll give them a personal tour through the museum and open it up. In the wintertime, it's a little more problematic, but we do now, the main museum is is heated, and our, our the building that holds our office is heated, but we don't heat the rest of the buildings. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So that, All right. you know, that's the best way. Uh, we have a close connection with the library in Delton and our, our uh, secretary is also the assistant librarian there at the library. So anybody that stops in there can get a lot of information. Um, if right. they're interested in local history, Dr. Bernard was uh, big on collecting family histories. So in our office, we have uh, lots of files filled with the early family histories of uh, the, you know, some of the first families in the area. And wow. uh, so we, we do open that up for genealogical research or anybody that is interested right. will try and make arrangements. Uh, Dr. Bernard uh, also helped publish a book in the 1960s. Um, which uh, is a history of the area, and we do sell that uh, book. We've had it reprinted, and uh, it's called Years Gone By, and that's mm-hmm. a, got a lot of information about the, the area. So, yeah, they just need to reach out to us uh, by phone, by mail, through the, uh, through the website, and we'll try okay. and, uh, you know, connect up with them. Well, that's great. Well, it's been great talking to you today. You know, yeah. uh, Rod, it's just, uh, it's. I've learned a lot just listening to all this stuff. I had no idea the museum was so large. I'm definitely going to have to plan a visit next summer and uh, take a tour yes. because it sounds like a fascinating place to go see. Yeah, so. it's, it's not something that most people can see, uh, do it justice in, a, in, a, in an afternoon because there's just so much to see. Right. But um, so they they um, should plan out several hours when they go see the museum because they're going to want to take yeah, their time. Typically, that's what most people end up spending yeah. uh, is a couple hours or more uh, in the museum. Right. And it's a great well, location. Great. We have one of the best views of uh, Crooked Lake from our from our location there as well. Yeah, you don't find many museums that are on lakes. That's great. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had a lake at our museum. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Lakes down, down there. Great. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I've really enjoyed uh, having you on, and I, I'll probably have to have you guys back on again in the future at some point. Maybe yeah. in the spring when you get something going, you have some kind of special event coming up, we can have you back on. Well, what I'll do, uh, Michael, is I'll go ahead and put a link if you're if you're okay with that to your sure. uh, your website on our website, okay. um, so, so that people can can find out more history um, going either direction there. Absolutely, and, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll keep you posted when we have something up. I, I do you give talks as well? I, yeah, occasionally I do. Yeah, I do go around yeah. and give talks when I you know have have time yeah, well, and the need... schedule works out. You know. Yeah. We try and yeah. uh, we try and have guest speakers coming in during uh, during the year. And that might Great. be an opportunity there as well. Oh, fabulous! We look forward to it. Well, I have been talking with Rod Cruz from the Bernard Historical Museum over in Delton, Michigan, and we've been exploring some early history of Barry County and Delton, and learning a lot about a lot of aspects of local history in that area. And I will be putting the links to the museum on the show note descriptions so that you guys can check it out and plan your visit because you're definitely going to want to put this museum on the top of your list when you go uh, do some touring through museums this coming summer. And any other links that uh, Rod sends me, I will put on there for you. And as always, if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners, and there's a contact form there on the website. And until next time, 
when we take another journey into yesterday and explore yet another fascinating tale of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.